We are live. All right. Getting started here, I guess. Uh, welcome, everyone, to Connected Learning TV. This is the third webinar of our June 2015 series titled Spotlight on Cities of Learning. If you're watching this, please take a moment to share it out with your networks. Uh, I'm Tim Cook from the Sprout Fund. Uh, the Sprout Fund is the anchor organization for the City of Learning initiative here in Pittsburgh. Um, we're working on behalf of a, a larger network called the Remake Learning Network um, in which we recruited uh, more youth-serving organizations to participate in City of Learning this year um, and are, are gradually increasing the, the size of City of Learning here in Pittsburgh. Uh, this year in particular we're aiming to engage approximately uh, 6,000 youth in City of Learning activities. Um, the programmatic offerings that we uh, will focus on range from art and media making to green building practices, fabrication, from civic engagement and environmental stewardship to job training and summer academics. Uh, today we're thrilled to be speaking with some of our major partners for the summer and uh, feel free to introduce um, yourself and briefly describe your programs. Um, so first we have James Doyle and Jennifer Herr from Pittsburgh Public Schools. You guys want to say hi? Good afternoon. Um, so I'm James Doyle. I'm the coordinator of out-of-school time for Pittsburgh Public Schools, and my role really is comprised of leading a lot of our district efforts around um, partnering with community-based organizations to facilitate after and out-of-school time programming across all of our district schools, um, but then also oversight of our Summer Dreamers Academy, which is our summer learning camp that we'll talk a little bit more about. Um, so a, a camp that we run for uh, approximately 1,500 of our students that really focuses in on stemming the summer learning loss, but also providing uh, wonderful enrichment opportunities for the students over the summer. Uh, hi, I'm Jennifer Herr. I am here representing Summer Dreamers Academy. I'm working with the Sprout Fund and City of Learning on digital badging system for our campers this year. I've been with Summer Dreamers Academy since it started six years ago and um, I've had active role as a director for the past four years so I'm very in the know about what happens with Summer Dreamers Academy and excited to partner with Sprout and City of Learning. Cool. Uh, next we have Kelly Rotmond of the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh. Kelly? Thank you, Tim. So I'm Kelly Rotmond. I am the Teen Services Coordinator for Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh. Um, Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh, or CLP, has 19 locations across the city of Pittsburgh. So in my position, I oversee teen services, programming, collections, everything that goes along with serving the teens in our community. Um, I oversee that at all of our locations. So I work with teen specialists that are working every day with teens to support them um, and this summer we're working with the Sprout Fund to do digital badging sort of in two capacities. Um, we're doing it as part of our teen summer reading program and also as part of our labs programming and the labs is our creative, creative learning program for teens so those in grades 6 through 12 here in the city of Pittsburgh. Cool, thanks Kelly. Um, right. Lastly, we hope to be joined at some point by Marquise Long, who is with the Three Rivers Workforce Investment Board. Um, the Three Rivers uh, Workforce Investment Board is the uh, key organization who's leading what we're calling the Learn and Earn effort here in Pittsburgh. 
which is a large uh, effort to employ about 2,000 youth throughout the summer, um, both in sort of entrance level uh, internships and work positions, but also to do some educational programming around uh, work readiness. Um, so hopefully Marquise will be able to join us at some point soon and we'll call an audible and sort of fit him in. If not, just know that it's because he's very busy uh, ramping up to serve 2,000 youth this summer after a, a program of only 500 last year. Um, so he might, he might be too busy hanging out with kids to join us, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so each week throughout this series on Connected Learning TV, we're going to be exploring uh, different uh, cities of learning uh, with one of the, the current cities, uh, Chicago, Dallas, Pittsburgh today, uh, Washington, D.C., and also talking with some of these local partners. Um, cities of Learning, as, as you may know or may not, is a national effort to remake learning into an exciting enterprise that prepares all young people for the world they live in today and will work in tomorrow by bringing together all of the resources around a city into a dynamic network of opportunities. Cities of Learning offers a variety of free and affordable in-person and online learning opportunities where young people can earn digital badges to showcase their learning achievements. So yeah, today I want to talk with Jennifer and James and Kelly and possibly Marquise about some of the work they're doing in partnership with Cities of Learning and the work that we're doing here at the Sprout Fund in Pittsburgh. Um, specifically, we want to talk around some of these ideas of specialized learning pathways for young people and how we can start to connect opportunities across the city to better serve students and identify uh, learning opportunities that fit with their interests. Um, so before we dive into the, the full sort of chat, let's go over a couple quick details. Uh, for those who are watching live right now, we welcome your comments and questions, either via the Twitter hashtag CitiesLearn uh, or LearnPGH, uh, or you can use the Q&A feature that you should see within the Google Hangouts uh, video player. And then hopefully we can address your questions at some point. Um, Great, so we've already done some introductions. Um, and I'd like to sort of start out by giving each of you a chance to talk more in depth about your organizations and the way in which you've been helping uh, young people access learning opportunities across the city. And then we can dive into some uh, specific uh, follow-up questions. Um, so maybe we can start out with uh, <clears throat> James and Jennifer. Um, Starting out, uh, for the two of you, what, what were you hoping to get in, involved um, with whenever you started with Cities of Learning? You know, what was your initial um, conception of it, and how did you think participating in Cities of Learning might add some value to your programs? Sure. Thanks, Tim. Um, so I think when, if we were to just start with the, our goals as a school district, right? So Pittsburgh Public Schools is the second largest school district in the state of Pennsylvania, and we serve approximately um, 25,000 students um, in, through uh, grades K through 12, right? And ultimately, our goal and role as a uh, public school district is to make sure that all of our students are, are accessing quality learning opportunities, and those learning opportunities are, are structured um, there with a, a, a lens of a very academic focus, because ultimately, we have to ensure that all of our students meet very specific academic goals, and they progress through um, their grade levels and they, they're, they're on track and they ultimately graduate and hopefully um, go on to either a college or some type of post-secondary opportunity. So that's that's ultimately what our goals as a school district are. 
But if we think about learning in general, learning happens in a lot of other ways. So whereas we're really, really good with measuring the learning academically, we're not as great at measuring the learning that's happening in a lot of those other spaces. And that's where we really think that there's a lot of value behind what Sprout and Cities of Learning is able to bring in is how can we start to be more deliberate about measuring all of the other types of learning that students are doing so that number one, we know what it is, and number two, we can start to track it and really start to attach that to students so we can really get a much clearer picture as it relates to this is the whole, whole level of learning that the student ultimately is able to, to do. Uh, to build upon what James was saying, as far as Summer Dreamer specifically is concerned, uh, one of the things that I was very interested in hoping to gain is to gain camper buy-in a little bit more, that the kids would have something that belonged to them um, to help them achieve their goals for the summer, as, long, as well as to help to raise attendance during, this, during the summer so that they would want to come and want to see their goals uh, progress throughout the summer. And we've already done some of this in our afternoon activities, so some of the mm -hmm. kids will be able to connect that in their morning learning. Cool, thanks. Um, so full disclosure, uh, Jennifer and I actually just had a meeting talking about implementing Summer Dreamers about, what, an hour ago? Um, and we were specifically talking about some of these questions about, you know, what can City of Learning add? What are some of those evaluative elements that maybe didn't exist before but can exist now? Um, and it's actually a really fascinating issue, you know, some people have brought up, um, you know, is it is it problematic or maybe um, sort of intrusive to keep tracking kids' learning outcomes with sort of wherever they're going, out of school, in school, everywhere, tracking their learning. But I think that as I've thought about it more, it's really it's really powerful to to keep track of it. And not intrusive, but actually liberating, right? Because if we're not valuing the learning that kids are doing in every environment, then we're going to force them to do it in a different environment. And maybe they won't be able to do that sort of more optional um, learning that they've chose to do. Um, so an example I thought of, I knew a, a high school uh, girl a couple of years ago who really wanted to learn Arabic. And she was doing it in an out-of-school time setting, but because it didn't count, her school said, no, 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 you need to learn Spanish here at the district. You can't go out and learn Arabic because we can't prove that you've done anything. Um, so because they weren't able to track it, right, they couldn't uh, sort of give her the freedom to pursue the, the interest that she really uh, wanted to pursue. Um, so thanks for your answer there. Kelly. Uh, maybe you could jump in. What were you hoping for uh, when you got involved with, with Cities of Learning, and how did you think it might add some, some value to the existing programs at the library? Sure. Um, I think part of our involvement is really close to what James was talking about, where there is so much learning that happens in the library every day um, with kids and teens, and there's no way for them to share that or prove that learning to their teachers or even their family members. Um, and so for us, it's really about giving teens a platform to share what they've been learning with one another um, and with people that care about them. And also, I see it as a way for us to change the way the community thinks about the library. Um, here at the library, um, our teen specialists, we think of ourselves as mentors. We're caring adults working with teens every day. Um, and we also think of ourselves as, as an out-of-school learning environment. And I don't think a lot of people think of the library in that way. So being part of Cities of Learning, um, one piece of that for me is really changing the way people think about the library. Um, and the other exciting piece for me was that 
there was the opportunity to do digital badging this summer. Um, we were part of Cities of Learning last year and really started designing our badges and the badge rubrics. Um, so we started badging in January of this year and being able to move to that digital platform is a really ne exciting next step for us. Cool. So our next question, um, back to uh, James and Jennifer again. Um, so obviously the Summer Dreamers program as part of Pittsburgh Public Schools has been around for a number of years. How has starting to participate in City of Learning this year affected the design or the practice or the curriculum of, of Summer Dreamers? How have, we, how have we messed things up for you in a, in a good way, maybe? Sure. So I, I can talk on uh, specifically the, the afternoon and then I'll, I'll let Jen as the expert on the, the morning academics and also as a, a, an academic teacher talk more specifically about that. But the, the model of Summer Dreamers is that we, um, the, the goal behind it is that we ultimately want to be able to stem summer learning loss for students in grades K through 7. So we're able to service a wide range of students across sites um, in, uh, across three sites in our city. And then we provide transportation and um, logistics for students to be able to get there. Um, and then in the morning, we do 90-minute blocks of both English and math um, for those students. And in the afternoon, we work focus on partnering with community-based organizations that offer really fun and exciting enrichment opportunities. So some of those, for example, have been water polo and fencing. And we do a lot of things with arts. And you know we've had ceramics. So, so there's some really exciting things. And, and the vision for it is that we as the school district recognize that we bring in a ton, a ton of expertise as it relates to the academic side. We have wonderful teachers like Ms. Her and, and other folks that like are able to support the summer camps and um, that's really our niche and that's really what we know very, very well. We can also say in the same sentence that we're never going to be the experts in fencing or in water polo or in all of these other things. So we want to be able to bring in the experts um, still with the support of our wonderful teachers um, but bring in those experts in the community to be able to lead all of those other things. And it's a, a great, another great example of those additional learning opportunities that definitely happen for students. So the goal there is that we really just want to be able to open up that wide world of learning to students. Um, so specifically on the afternoon activities um, for the enrichment providers, um, eight uh, for our Summer Dreamers Academy 2015 program that's actually going to start in less than two weeks. So June 29th is when we kick off for students. Uh, so we're really, really excited. Um, eight of our um, activity providers are actually participating in the Cities of Learning. So they'll be developing customized badges based on um, their specific activities um, and programs that they're going to run with students. And it will help them to really um, tie back to their objectives. So each organization is required to put a proposal to us that lists specific objectives that they have for students and the badges are kind of tied to that to that really be able allows the organization to be able to measure um, track and assess how students are doing in that activity um, so it's it's something that actually is really supportive and um, helps us to really think through on the, the afternoon academics uh, or enrichment side cool so in a way, you are already um, treating the city as a campus with summer dreamers and really um, you know, thinking about, hey, we don't have all the expertise, but there's all these great sites around the city, so maybe City of Learning is a, is a chance for you to better understand, um, you know, what your partners are doing and how you can support them and what their learning outcomes are. Um, Jennifer, did you have any uh, thoughts about how um, City of Learning is affecting changes in the morning programs? Um, I think that it certainly is going to connect the fact that some of the, some of the campers were already using it in the afternoon in their, ac in their activities. 
So now carrying that over into the morning can make a, a one big connection for them uh, across the entire day. I don't think that it, it has yet affected our program design, being that the design was created before we incorporated the badges. However, I think that it, as we spoke earlier today, it could possibly affect our design in the future, as yeah. far as you were talking about, about uh, checkpoints and, and so on, assessment. Um, where we could create more concrete weekly assessments that we would assign badges for in the future. Cool, yeah. Something that, that I've been thinking about and noticing as well as it relates to uh, the morning reading and math programs that you run is, you know, maybe it's not affecting the core program, but it is possibly um, uh, allowing for some, some optional or sort of follow-on opportunities for students to really, uh, you know, set themselves above above the the crowd and sort of stand out in certain ways and to achieve you know unique goals that maybe are incidental or, or as kind of bonus work uh, to the regular program um, Kelly uh, same question back to you how has participating in, in CD of learning maybe affected the program design or practice uh, at the library sure um, well since participating in City of Learning last year, we've continued designing badges. Um, and actually, because we haven't had a digital platform, at CLP we've sort of created these old school physical badges. Um, this one is one that teens can earn for their soldering skills. Um, and I have another one here that this is our advanced mixing badge um, that you can earn for music and audio mixing. Um, so we have been giving those out to teens since January. There you go. And it's been really interesting because some teens really love the physical badges and like flipping through our binder of badge information and sort of mapping out a learning pathway for themselves. They see what they can learn and which badges they can earn. And once they've earned that badge, they kind of see where they can go next and they map out like, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And it's really awesome to see them put that all together for themselves. Um, and so this year, the, the way that things have changed for us is that we've incorporated badging into our summer reading program. Um, so teen summer reading is something we do every year because as James said, in the summer we really want to stem summer learning loss. And we know that research shows that teens who read, youth who read between four to six books over the summer go back to school ready to learn. Um, they're not at a deficit with their skills. So this year for Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh, we want to see every teen who signs up for summer reading read at least five books so that they're going to go back to school ready to learn. And if they read those five books, um, they'll earn our summer reading badge. And if they continue on beyond those five, if they set their own goal for themselves, whatever that is, 10 books, 100 books, there is a secondary badge as well um, and we're just really excited to have this new way for teens to show what they've achieved over the summer um, when it comes to summer reading because there really hasn't been that opportunity before for teens to sort of celebrate that achievement and share it with people that they care about. So, Cool. Yeah, I really like the point about, um, you know, badges being a chance for students to really clearly define what some of their... Um, sort of intentional learning could be. I think it's really easy in out-of-school time environments for kids to just kind of show up and hang out and that just kind of be it and then never really knowing like, oh yeah, I'm hanging out, but I'm hanging out with this purpose and that purpose and this purpose that's sort of codified into these, these, these badges. Um, 
So follow on to that, um, back to, to James and Jennifer. Um, what's been the response within the Pittsburgh Public Schools so far um, regarding Cities of Learning and, and badges in particular? Um, you know, this could be a chance for you to both, you know, talk about good responses, but also to, to call out some critiques or concerns that you've heard uh, within Pittsburgh Public Schools. Sure. Um, so, but before I answer that, I just want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Mr. Mark Rauderkiss, who is one of our activity providers who's, who's participating today. So he gave the great example. Um, so he leads a lot of the great work around um, the water polo activity that we have within Summer Dreamers Academy. And he gave the great example of the, the three badges that they are currently developing and will be rolled out for the 2015 Summer Dreamers Academy program. So those badges are teamwork, sportsmanship, and then a swimming badge for students that do participate in the activity. And I think that's a really good example of um, a direct answer to your question is in terms of some of the good things that we were able to see. In the past, we wouldn't have been able to track um, how students did in water polo or, you know, what are, how are they progressing through the activities, you know, what are those specific skills and strategies that work. Um, teamwork is, is a great skill to have and that's something that's really, really important for us because, you know, when we start to push and talk about um, what we hope to develop with, for our students both within the school day but then also within the out-of-school time space, one of those important non-cognitive skills is positive relationships with peers and adults. So um, if we're able to have uh, evidence behind this is what a student was able to do in this out-of-school time space, then that's something that's really going to ultimately benefit um, our teaching staff who are with our students, you know, 10 months out of the year. Um, so that's a, a really great example. So for the most part, we've been hearing really exciting and good things about um, oftentimes they get the question of, what is this program doing? How are they doing? What, what are the specific goals? And you know, how are students progressing through? So badges um, can help us to answer that question of how they're working. I think on the other end of that, there always is just still some concern of, you know, what does it mean to earn? And is it is it something that everyone gets? Or, you know, are there very specific things that uh, a student will have to progress through to, in order to, like, earn it? So that's, that's another kind of concern that I've just heard is just, you know, how can we ensure that a student participating is legitimately earning um, the, the badge, um, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So some difficulty possibly in terms of implementation. And I know, Jennifer, we were talking about how, you know, teachers might see this as an added workload, and there's definitely some, some concerns that, that might arise there. There's our first question in the chat, uh, which maybe you guys could answer now, because I think it relates. It's, it's, I think, a really common uh, concern that comes up around digital badges, right? So there's like this the sort of differentiation oftentimes between in-school and out-of-school is that out-of-school time is the chance where you have to spend with students where you don't have to talk about grades, you don't have to talk about assessments, but kids can just kind of hang out, be themselves, and not be like tested, right? Um, so the question is, you know, how do you keep summer dreamers from smelling like school? Uh, and if you're talking about weekly assessments, right, related to badges possibly, it makes it maybe sound more like school. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that um, the way summer dreamers is designed, um, we're really able to focus in on not only really exciting um, activities that students get to participate in the afternoon, but really unique and um, creatively designed academics in the morning that focuses in on um, what are the individual uh, levels of student goals and performance that we can kind of pepper and build into the curricula. So we uh, work and design 
um, customized curriculum in the morning that really helps us to be a little bit more creative and, and special, if you will, um, so that it's not just like school. But on the other end to that, I'll, I'll push a little bit against that thought because ultimately, if we, we don't have a way to assess a program, and that can be academic or non-academic, if there's not a way to assess it, if there's not um, evidence behind what a student's doing, then ultimately we're really not going to move anywhere, right? Because we won't be able to prove that it works. We won't be able to um, really give the student something to take away from it, like this is what I've learned, this is what I've got. Um, so whereas there is this little bit of creativity slash um, uniqueness that we can pepper in with Summer Dreamers, we do still have to be in a place of knowing what we're doing is effective and knowing what we're doing works and then giving the student something that's tangible and specific that they're able to take back and really know that I've learned this and it's X, Y, and Z and this is how I got there. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think, uh, yeah, go ahead. I think that the design of the program uh, like James was saying, is more kind of exciting and fun. So I don't think that we would ever put something in that was a weekly multiple choice questions or that sort of thing. It would be something a little bit more fun. And I, I do also think that, especially with the badges, we're leaning more toward individualized goal setting for themselves, which is ultimately um, helping them gain an intrinsic learning style, which, which is great for everyone to have. Also, just the day of Summer Dreamers is much different than school. If people who aren't familiar with it in the morning, campsites have an all-camp meeting where there are things like chants and, and games and performances um, that happen that make it a lot different than school. And I think one of the goals are is that we want to go the other way, right? So Summer Dreamers, I and mean, we can say this truly, like Summer Dreamers has some of the best culture that we've seen in a, a quote-unquote school environment, and those are things that we want to build in into the regular 10 months mm -hmm. that we do as a school district. So in terms of uh, summer dreamers not smelling like school, we want school to start smelling like summer dreamers because we do so much exciting things that we know um, build a conducive learning environment for students. Nice. Yeah, I really love the point about you know fostering personal motivation, and I think that badges are interesting for that, right, because they are to some degree this evaluative tool, but at the end of the day, it's not required that you earn the badge, right? There's, there's not necessarily anything riding on it. It's not a grade. It's not this official thing. But it is a, a chance for you to say, like, hey, I learned this thing. I learned this thing. Um, maybe uh, Kelly, actually, if you wanted to jump in and, and, and talk about that, that question a little bit, you know, because the library is very much, like, not a school environment, um, you know, do you think that, that, that kids to any degree are sort of turned off by your, your notebook or your rubrics or like, hey, you have to do X, Y, and Z to earn the badge? I don't think that they are, and I think that's because we're an informal learning space. So they already think don't think about us um, like school, and they don't think of staff here as teachers, even though we are mentors and teachers in um, those sort of informal ways. So it's been really interesting to see the way that teens engage with the binder and the badges and the ways that they will oftentimes start talking it up to other teens um, as one, a way to showcase what they've accomplished, but then also to try to get other people interested and involved as well. So it's really nice to see them making those connections instead of staff having to try to sell them on the idea of it. Um, 
And then we also have one teen who's really excited that we're going to be doing digital badges because they told us that our uh, physical badges are not uh, very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a lot of honesty. Cool. Uh, if you want to keep uh, chiming in, that, that same initial question maybe back to you. Um, you know, how has the response been within the sort of library overall uh, related to cities of learning and, and badges? Both a chance for like encouragement or critique there. Yeah, the teen staff have been really excited about it because we have been talking about this and working towards it for so long. Um, and I think staff see a lot of possibilities for badging in our future that are related to library programs and services that aren't just tied to teen summer reading um, or to our labs programming. Um, so it's exciting to see staff coming up with ideas for new badges and sort of creating that content for themselves and really thinking about, you know, what do we want teens to think, feel, or know after working through those badge rubrics. Um, and one of the other things I think that's been exciting for us is knowing that Summer Dreamers is one of the main partners of City of Learning because the library has had a presence at Summer Dreamers um, and will be there again this year as part of their day. Um, so it's just really nice to have that um, piece connecting us. Yeah, so if we're talking about badges at the library, it's not a surprise because a lot of the teens that we see are talking about them at Summer Dreamers and seeing us there and just sort of constantly connecting all of those things together. Mm -hmm. Cool, yeah, I really like the point about, um, you know, how, you know, once you get this, this sort of framework in place, you're starting to be intentional about different learning outcomes, but also different learning possibilities for for folks in different library sites, then it empowers your, your team staff to start to think creatively about, oh, here's all the kind of random stuff I've been doing, but how could I sort of make a badge out of that to communicate to learners that this is, hey, this is something you can do at this location. Um, cool, so uh, very similar actually, Kelly, to what you just said. So the next question I want to get into was, um, and maybe you could just keep going and then we'll get to James and, and Jennifer in a second. Um, you know, what opportunities do you see for creating pathways or handoffs to connect students um, involved in the library programs to other programs across Pittsburgh? Um, you already mentioned that there is this connection between the library and Summer Dreamers, but um, are there any other connections um, and, you know, both to learning programs or potentially possible employment or, 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 or skills that they've learned at the library? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a fantastic question. So. I think for a really long time um, in team librarianship, we have thought that we, and James touched on this a little bit earlier, we have thought that we need to be the experts in everything. And if our teens ask us to do a program around a certain topic, that we need to learn everything we can about it, and we're gonna do this awesome thing for them. Um, and it was really liberating about a year and a half ago, the Young Adult Library Services Association put out a report called The Future of Teen Services for and with Teens. Um, the future of library services for and with teens. And that report really calls for library staff to be connectors. So instead of trying to be experts in everything, instead look beyond the library walls and look into your community and see who's out there doing these things that your teens are interested in or that your teens might be interested in and how do you connect their skills with the needs of your teens. Um, 
So we have done a lot to partner with community organizations to have them come in and run programs for us or just talk to staff so that staff knows about their mission and the services that they provide so that we can connect teens to community, other community organizations both in the library and also make referrals to them. Um, and the way that the City of Learning site is sort of bringing all these summer opportunities together makes it a lot easier for library staff to, one, know what's going on in our community, but also make those really easy connections because there's a place we can direct people to instead of saying, like, let me write this thing down on a piece of paper for you and hopefully you'll remember and you'll check it out later. Um, so it just feels like it's going to make that process of being connectors a lot easier for us. Cool. Um, and then related to your question about employment, mm -hmm. uh, the library is also connected with the Learn and Earn program. We're going to be hosting 16 employees this summer through that program. Um, and our goal for that is to really give them a big picture view of all the different types of work that happen in the library um, so they can either you know, just see the library as an even more important resource in their life or think critically about is a career in the library something that they want to do. Um, and that's been really amazing for us because we have had teens work for us over time and we're sort of, or even just volunteer for us um, and earn volunteer badges and we're seeing how they're able to translate those skills that they learned as volunteers um, into their resumes and then into jobs. So it's always great to hear those stories about so-and-so has been volunteering, and we help them with their resume, and now they're working at Allegheny General Hospital. Um, so the more of those connections we can make, the better. Nice. Yeah, I really love the point about the, the library, really, to a, a significant degree, in its traditional role, acting as a curator of learning resources, and then, you know, putting them on a, on a shelf and or, like, you know, helping youth to find out about them. Um, I think ideally in the in the hopefully not too distant future as City of Learning matures and improves the technology but also the breadth of engagement over the coming years that will really become this expansive directory of all the in-person learning resources that exist in the city, right? So you have the library for the sort of physical books and, and digital resources but then hopefully City of Learning for all of the local opportunities um, sort of working um, in tandem to some degree. Um, there's a good question in the chat that sort of relates to what Kelly was saying, but it's probably a question for, for James and, and Jennifer. Um, back to you guys. What is the role of badges after the summer? And how are programs, especially like yours, encouraging, in your case, yourself, uh, to value uh, badges and use them uh, back in school after the summer is over? Yeah, that is a, a, a great question. So one of the the roles of our out-of-school time office um, here at Pittsburgh Public Schools is that we partner with um, a lot of the same organizations that um, facilitate activities in our Summer Dreamers Academy um, during the school year as well. So we have uh, about 80, uh, for this past school year, 80 um, separate organizations that facilitated activities for um, our students across all of our schools and um, a lot of them, or some of them also worked in community-based uh, facilities too. So one of the goals that I have with that is that if we're starting the process of developing and um, establishing this badge system in the summer, um, how can we incorporate that into the process for identifying, partnering with, and then ultimately um, being able to figure out the, the quote-unquote work that happens for students um, in the out-of-school time space to be inclusive of 
the full year, so not just the summer. So that's one of the goals that we have at the end of the school district is to think of how can we um, incorporate this um, into the process that we've ad identified and established for partnering with organizations um, throughout the full school year. The other side, too, on the academic um, component of what we do as a school district is really thinking deliberately about how this information can be shared back with our teachers and our, our folks in buildings, right? Because this, this data is invaluable to a teacher to know that a student's um, developed these leadership skills, a student's been, you know, really focused in on this, this specific activity that potentially can refocus them in the, the critical academics that they're uh, participating in. Um, so right now we're engaging in the process of revamping our student information system and we've had discussions of um, what are some of the other non-academic student outcomes that we can incorporate into our student data system? And this is a place that I would absolutely see, um, so if, if possible, like I'm going to stand up and say, look, we've developed these great badges and students were able to earn all of this stuff. How can we incorporate this into our student information system? And the vision for that is um, this will start showing up on a transcript or, you know, this will start like really being um, populated into that portfolio for students so that they're able to take that um, on their official record, if you will, from the district. So that's um, a really long-term thinking, but it's, it's thinking that we're really engaging in and starting right now because we recognize the importance of all the, the work that students are able to develop in the out-of-school time space. And serving mostly um, low achieving students, um, lower achieving students, an ultimate goal would also be for a teacher to see that they had gained something over the summer that maybe they don't usually display in the classroom during the school year, where that, that can give them a, a role, an opportunity to take them on as a, and give them a role as a leader in the classroom. That's what I see happening. Hopefully. Yeah, so the, the goal is to really or capture some of those achievements and, and value them and bring them back into school um, really as a using the badge as a tool for communication mm -hmm. to the to the teacher. Um, great. Um, so we've I think covered a number of the, the, the key questions um, at the beginning here. Maybe a, a, a sort of a, a final question in terms of the general ones, and then we'll get into some specific questions for each of you, um, would be, you know, what advice would you give to, to other organizations, either here in Pittsburgh or elsewhere in the world, who, you know, are interesting to create an infrastructure or a badging system or engage with a, a learning network? Um, yeah, what, what, what advice would you give in terms of, of getting involved or strengthening programs in, in this sort of way? Um, let's start with you, James, and Jennifer. So I, I have a couple of ideas. One thing that we do um, in that process for identifying um, partners and um, we have a, a formal application and we ask them to develop um, logic models that ultimately um, outline what are they doing, you know, whom are they serving and, and a little bit about uh, more detail on these activities. Uh, but one thing that we've revamped um, for the next school year, so 2015-2016, uh, is that um, on the outcomes tracking for um, the logic model that's required as per the, the application process that we have, um, we've aligned that to knowledge, skills, and dispositions with the vision that that can be easily converted into a badge if the program's um, really able to kind of take on those things. Um, so that's kind of where we're going with uh, a lot of the processes to be uh, more deliberate about um, 
how can we work with organizations to think about um, badging and think about cities of learning. So in terms of like advice we would give, um, being very deliberate, um, whatever tool, like we've, we've bought onto logic modeling and we encourage that for partners. Um, there's a lot of other tools that you can use to like really jot down and, and put in the sand, this is specifically what we hope to accomplish for students. Um, but the advice that we would say is just really important to have that, um, to have it in a consistent uh, manner, and then also be very deliberate and consistent about um, how are you going to measure the growth of students that you're um, participating with. And then ultimately those measurement pieces are the things that are easily converted into something like a badge or, or some type of process that you can work to really assess how a student is done against um, what you hope the ultimate goal is. Mm -hmm. Nice, so it's, it's starting at the beginning. Really, really clear communication with uh, the uh, partner organizations so that they know, hey, the outcomes that we that we want from you and the, the learning for your students is not just kind of a, a random list, but no, let's actually organize it from the beginning as badge, 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 um, so that we can have a clear sort of foundation as we begin to pursue partnerships and, and programs together. Um, cool. That's exciting to hear. Um, and I think that's true, you know, as we start to sort of try and smash um, City of Learning and badges sort of into pre-existing programs, we're starting to realize like, oh, next year and next year, it would be so great if we could do X, Y, or Z from the beginning of the process, which would make everything just so much easier and have better outcomes and be clearer for, for folks. Um, so Kelly, back to you. Uh, what advice would you give anyone uh, who wants to integrate badges into their organization? Maybe advice specifically uh, for libraries even. Yeah, so um, I think my advice is just knowing up front that badge design is really involved and time consuming um, if you want to do it well. And if, as James said, you want to be really intentional and know what your learning outcomes are and have them met um, as your teens are sort of working through a project and learning whatever skills they need or whatever knowledge they need um, in order to earn that badge. And so we've been really fortunate that all of our lab's mentors, as they've been planning programs, have sort of built those badge rubrics alongside their program planning documents. So they've sort of aligned, um, aligned with one another. Um, and for library folks who are interested in badging um, but maybe don't know where to start or don't know if they have the time that's really necessary to do it and do it well, um, I would just encourage them to reach out to us here at Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh or other libraries who are badging and ask, um, ask them to share the badges and the rubrics that they've created to see, does this align with things that I'm doing at my library? Does it align with the interests of my teens? And is this something that I can just really borrow from and put into use here um, and not have to do all of that back-end development themselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, two things that we've definitely learned is, number one, if you can steal or borrow, that's definitely a nice uh, benefit, you know, just building off the good work of others. And I know, you know, most of the, the work that we're doing here in Pittsburgh, we're really excited to share with folks, um, either folks also in Pittsburgh or around the country, so let us know. Um, but sort of uh, building on, on Kelly's point, it definitely is so much easier. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely doable to sort of add badges as a layer onto an existing curriculum or program, but they definitely hold more weight and have more pedagogic value um, if and when 
they're developed alongside the curriculum. Um, we just had the experience to do this actually. Sprout Fund and City of Learning, we worked pretty closely with the Learn and Earn folks who were um, unable to join us on the call today, but the curriculum that we helped them um, to develop and figure out badges for was co-developed with a human-centered design firm here in Pittsburgh called the Luma Institute, who does really amazing uh, educational work and curriculum. And it was really fascinating um, for me, actually, for the first time, actually being able to work uh, very closely with uh, a serious curriculum development project for 2,000 students and, and have badges sort of in the conversation from the beginning. Uh, it, was, it was really pretty easy uh, and, and seamless. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of work creating the curriculum, but it was, it was obvious as we were creating the curriculum, we needed to decide what the learning outcomes were and what evaluation would look like, and badges were a really, really easy um, uh, answer to that, those questions. Um, so the, one of the last sort of really general questions before we talk about the uh, public schools and, and library more in particular um, is this is kind of an interesting question. You know, what case, if any, uh, would you make to city officials or municipal leaders about the importance of learning pathways? Uh, so these connections between learning, right, this idea that learning is, is everywhere. Um, and why should they care about them through a program like City of Learning or, or whatever? Um, Kelly, back to you. You're muted. Sorry, you. got it. Um, I think for us, we're really fortunate here in Pittsburgh because Learn and Earn is an initiative of the City of Pittsburgh um, that the mayor and the local government see the value in this and understand um, both learning pathways and badging as a way to sort of certify learning that's already happening. Um, and I think the other piece that is exciting for us and that I would want to stress is that um, we know that traditional education is not the path for everybody. Um, so the more that we can do to support young adults in their learning um, and prove its value to other people, I think is important for their success in the future. Cool. So you're saying we've already done it. We've already convinced the... <laughs> We're done. We're there. So We're, we're, done. we're getting there. <laughs> um, how about uh, you guys at, at, at the Pittsburgh Public Schools? Obviously, you know, you are part of a much larger uh, system and, you know, 25,000 students. There's a lot of levels of sort of involvement and administrative control. Um, you know, what case would you make maybe even to leaders in your own organization about the importance of this? I think one thing that's important, because uh, Tim, like you mentioned, being a part of a large system and um, within that large system, we are um, required slash mandated to focus on a lot of very specific things for students, right? So oftentimes it's difficult for um, other creative or initiatives that don't necessarily fit inside of a box. Um, when they come up, it's hard sometimes for those initiatives to really be taken and, and to go. So um, I think there's kind of some difficulty there, but it's also an opportunity for to allow us to really be able to refocus uh, because ultimately it comes down to the fact that um, accepting learning is happening in so many places. Um, and once we really understand that and are able to, to stand up and say, yes, students are learning in all of these different spaces, now let's figure out how we can track it and start to work on um, something like badges. I think it's is where um, our the direction um, and where we want to go as it relates 
to the organization. But Kelly's point is really um, right on as well in that we're lucky here in Pittsburgh that we do have a lot of um, public support around um, this initiative and really thinking through all of the different um, avenues and, and leaders that are, are behind and understand this. So I think that that's the, the first hurdle is just understanding that learning happens everywhere. And then the second one is just being very focused on how can we make it work within an education system. I think also as being such a big organization and such a crux to the city that it's part of our charge to, to give our students the knowledge about what is out there for them. And the City of Learning is definitely a way to do that, to let them know what's available to them that they may not have never known existed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's my favorite short pitch as well, is like learning is everywhere, and we need to, we need to value it, and we need to um, really show it off to students. Um, and I think it's exciting to start to think about, you know, what does it look like if, if schools start to become hubs for learning, but not the end-all, be-all, right? Um, but no, learning learning is throughout our city, it's throughout our lives. Learning is, is, is figuring out how to live better as someone who, you know, resides here in Pittsburgh. Um, cool, so let's spend a couple more minutes um, on each of you digging into some specifics about your programs, um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, so maybe let's start with Kelly, because I'm going to make you answer this new question in the chat. So maybe do you want to start talking a little bit about the programs at the library, um, some of the actual specific things that you do. You, you showed a couple pins, maybe reference those again. But within that, maybe answer this question, um, have you thought about participatory design of badges? Yeah. Um, so this is something that we have talked about for a while and felt like we really needed staff to get a handle on badge design. Um, before we could involve teens in it in a big way. Um, but one of the things I'm excited about this summer is that through our participation in Learn and Earn, um, having these 16 employees um, who will be, they'll have work sites around the city, they'll be tied to a specific Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh location, but once a week they're going to go on a field trip. And so every one of those teens at some point is going to come on a field trip here to our office, um, the Office of Programs and Partnerships out of the East Liberty location where the labs um, is housed, the labs main spaces. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to have those teens work through um, programs that have badges associated with them as part of their experience for the day while they're visiting us and give us feedback on both our um, program worksheets, which we have designed as comic books. So it's you just read your way through the comic book and it's an instructional activity um, related to, you know, creating wearable um, wearable clothing with light-up LEDs, or it's about how to use the Hummingbird Robotics Kit. Um, we have them for all different types of programs that we do, and our summer employees will have the opportunity to work through those comic book kits and then also see if um, if they've learned everything they've needed to earn that badge, or are there things missing? Are there things that should be added into the badge rubric? And we are really looking for them to come to that process with a critical eye and tell us, like, you've designed this thing and it looks great, but it doesn't make sense, or it's missing something, or something else could be here. Um, so we're really excited about engaging teens this summer in that way related to badge design and our just program design in general. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe one more question for you that also relates to the teaching and learning interaction mm -hmm. with um, students is, you know, who on the ground is actually issuing the badges at the library? Who is working alongside the student and knowing what they've done and then actually going into the platform and pressing the red button to send them the badge? And what does that look like? So it's, a variety, like? it's a variety of staff. Um, so we have teen specialists at every one of our locations um, who are either librarians or library assistants, um, and their job is to support teens. Um, we also have our labs mentors. They work at our three core lab sites, which are at CLP Allegheny, CLP East Liberty, and CLP Maine in Oakland. Um, and so it's a mix of these teen specialists and the labs mentors who are working side by side with teens every day after school and now that it's summer, sort of all day long. Um, and talking with them about what they've been learning and then going through that process of issuing badges for them. Cool. Thanks. Um, so back to James and Jennifer. Two final questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, the first one is, very briefly, maybe what's one opportunity you see for incorporating badges into school year classes and programs, if at all? Um, goal setting would definitely be, personal goal setting would be the first thing that comes to my mind. Where students can actually monitor and project their own successes. Okay. James? And I'm, I'm intrigued by, uh, going back to that last question, just the participatory aspect. So I wonder um, where, where my mind goes is like the opportunity of allowing a student to really participate in their school day learning. Um, so what does that look like? I'm not sure, but I, I think that that's a, a potential opportunity within the in-school setting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I actually had a follow-up on the participatory design with students question. Um, I know that there is at least one organization as part of City of Learning this year in Pittsburgh. Um, there is a teacher who teaches Spanish at the City High Charter School, and she has a program that she's running called the Epic Telenovela Project, where students are sort of designing, screenwriting, and uh, filming their own Spanish soap operas. Uh, and uh, as part of that, she worked with students, and the students themselves designed the, uh, a lot of the outcomes and actually did the graphic design for the six badges. So if you go on pghcityoflearning.org and you search for Spanish, uh, you should pull that up and you could see what the students created as part of that. Um, maybe one last really quick question for James and Jennifer. Um, specifically, Jennifer, I know we just talked about this. So was it challenging to design badges uh, and create criteria that fit within the existing curriculum constructs for the Summer Dreamers reading and math program? Um, I think it did take, it took us a lot of work to narrow down the scope of what we were going to focus upon. Um, when we, we decided to have it be consistent with the three core kind of rules or ideas about Summer Dreamers Academy, which are work hard, have fun, and be nice. Um, so two of those are, are very much character building traits that the kids uh, are obtaining on a regular basis but may not think about that, that they're doing or may not really think about what does it really mean to be nice or what does it mean when I have fun at camp or at school and um, in the work hard the work hard was kind of the hardest for us to pull out what we wanted to do so that it's not that 
smelling like school, that we didn't have um, a checklist sort of thing that was going to feel too school-like for them. So that was one of the challenges. But also going back to the kids designing things themselves, one of the things that we did incorporate thus far, we would like to incorporate them in design, but due to time we weren't able to do that yet this year. But we are having them set their own goals for the badges that they'd like to they'd like to get for that week and to, to set exactly what their goal is going to be, what their progress is going to be, um, so that we're not saying you have to do X, Y, and Z to get it. They're kind of setting them up to get it themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it seems to me like a lot of the goals are, are kind of, dis uh, the badges for Summer Dreamers are very dispositional and or focused on like student improvement really recognizing, hey, here's where I'm at in terms of my skills or my knowledge in this area. Here's where I want to be and sort of bridging that gap. Um, I also remember from the conversation earlier, there's there's some there's some sort of nitty-gritty stuff in there as well about reading and about math, um, like improving your problem-solving skills, improving your ability to sort of um, deeply read and, and critique and understand the text. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a good mix, I think, of skill, badges, disposition badges that, that that sort of fit as a layer on the existing um, curriculum. Work hard, have fun, be nice. Um, and with that, I think we're going to actually end our, our chat for the day. Um, thanks everyone for a great conversation. Um, it sounds like there will be a full video recording of this webinar available immediately on www.connectedlearning.tv uh, alongside other curated content on the way um, that you can share with your networks and, and share out with other people about the um, conversation that we had here today. Um, so yeah, this wraps up the third webinar of this June 2015 series, Spotlighting City of Learning. Um, but please feel free to keep the energy going on Twitter using the hashtags CitiesLearn and LearnPGH. Uh, if you found the conversation helpful, please share it out with your networks. And uh, if you'd like to know about more upcoming webinars, you can check out Connected Learning TV throughout 2015. Just head to connectedlearning.tv and sign up for the email newsletter. Also, uh, from us here in Pittsburgh, uh, if you're interested in the work that we're doing, feel free to reach out to me. I'm Tim at sproutfund.org. Um, we're happy to answer any questions or share out resources for your for you to uh, steal or borrow um, to replicate or, or learn from the work uh, that we've been doing. So thanks again, everyone. Thanks, James, Jennifer, Kelly, Marquise from Three Rivers Workforce Investment Board. You were sorely missed. And uh, we're looking forward to an exciting year uh, doing City of Learning here in Pittsburgh and also really looking forward to the future. Cities of Learning is very much a, a new sort of fangled project, and we're learning a lot of lessons and uh, you know the, the things we're doing on the ground with pedagogy as well as the technology I think will be significantly improved in the years to come. So we're looking forward to that. Thanks again everyone. Uh, we are now signing off.